for me, I think over the last couple of weeks, I began to kind of turn a corner. The corner was this, that uh, I definitely have been uh, concerned to uh, um, keep us all encouraged and, to, and for us all to be open and to share and to identify with our struggle, our challenges and our pain. We continue to do that because that's what the church does. When I hear what, uh, how the ladies uh, fellowshiped on uh, the other night, uh, you know, that, that's, that's church. I don't know how we got in the 21st century, latter part of the 20th century, in the 20th century, we got to think of church as being big business, big, you know, big box arenas where people get together and Christian celebrities keep us entertained and placated. But church is what we're doing right now. And church is at its best when 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 you're speaking to each other and we're we're talking to one another, not just when when talking heads and and, and the, the Christian celebrities are. Are, are sermonizing so so restoration is right now is where we were focusing on because what we're focusing on because from this moment going forward we have we're not only having to cope with this season but we have to be looking forward to the other side of this and and how we're going to recover what the devil has stolen from us how we're going to uh, reclaim what what is rightfully ours how we're going to 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 find growth and and uh, and and uh and move forward in the midst of this so that we come out on the other side better than we went into this thing. And that is, that may not seem possible in, in, in the flesh, but in Christ, all things are possible. And that's God's plan for us this morning. And so uh, as, we, as we talk about the road to renewal this week, um, the book of Nehemiah, uh, today I want to talk about engaging the process engaging the process um there are well, it has been said that there are three kinds of people in the world uh, but, and uh, by the way th these are the four the four installments last week we talked about embracing the vision engaging the process today to next week we'll talk about resisting the opposition and then uh on the fourth week we'll talk about restoring the foundation uh engaging the process that's today now there there are there are, are three kinds of people in this world no, uh, number one those who, who make things happen, those who watch things happen, and those who wonder what happened. And we were introduced to the book of Nehemiah last week, and we learned that Nehemiah was this godly and compassionate servant of God who was deeply concerned about the plight of his, uh, of his fellow Jews, the plight of Jerusalem following the exile and and particularly the state of the temple and the condition of the city's walls that had been burned with fire and their defenses were breached. And we observed something very important about Nehemiah last week, and that was, number one, that he was a man of prayer, and we are people of prayer, amen. But more importantly, that he was also a man of action, and that's the action we want to talk about today. Now, if there's one attribute of Nehemiah that 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 distinguishes him from other people it, it, it's his uncanny ability to to make things happen last week we talked about embracing the vision and we we were challenged to take this objective uh, honest and real look at our condition and the conditions around us and then to prayerfully allow god to instill within our hearts a vision for change a vision for transformation a vision for renewal and a vision for restoration and vision is certainly an inspiring word, and renewal is a beautiful word, an inspiring concept. But you know what? In the absence of hard work, the vision dies, and renewal remains 
something of, of a fantasy. The work of renewal, the work of restoration will require certain responses on our part in the cultivation of what we might describe as a spiritual work ethic. The work will also require a certain attitude and a certain state of mind. And again, we're considering the historical record of Nehemiah's rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem and the subsequent spiritual and social renewal of the people. But in doing so, we can apply his rebuilding process to the renewal and rebuilding of, of, of any number of things that are broken in or around us. For instance, many of us face the need for personal renewal. We need God to help us build the broken places in our lives. We, we will especially need God to enable us to experience restoration in the areas of our lives uh, that are affected by this, this season that we're going through right now, that we're living through. These are challenging times for many, if not all of us. But as committed believers in Christ, we contend for the renewal of, of individuals, families, congregations, communities. We contend for the restoration of, of ourselves and those around us. And so while we pray for vision and we seek inspiration, and hopefully we get those things are, are, are stoked and encouraged as we meet together and encourage one another, and we ask God to effect renewal, yes, but Nehemiah's story highlights one inescapable fact, and that is this, that renewal is initiated by, by God, but it's facilitated by our obedience. You get that? Renewal is initiated by God, but it is facilitated by our obedience. When we embrace the vision, we will be assigned a task. In other words, we've all got work to do. I grew up in a church where the pastor's, uh, the co-pastor was the pastor's wife, had written a song and we sang years and years, year in and year out. It said, let go, let God, you know that phrase. And there's a mentality there that's intended to convey something that is, that is helpful and proper. The idea of surrender to God's will and moving beyond self-will uh, on a certain level. And it, but but it, sometimes the idea of let go and let God means for too many folks that we do nothing and that we sit back and passively wait on God. Surrender is a real thing and, and it's appropriate and, and, and it, it, to, to, a, to a great degree in certain ways. However, Nehemiah teaches us something. He helps us to understand this, that divine providence often works through human agency. Our New Testament reading this morning was from James and reminded us that we're not merely to listen to the word and so just in that, in that listening, deceive ourselves by merely listening, right? But we're to do what it says. The message of James is that we demonstrate our faith by our deeds. And change comes not just from looking at your face in the mirror, but by the appropriate response to what you see. And so if you've acquired a vision for a new you, or a vision for a renewed family, a vision for a new church, a vision for, I don't mean a different church, a new church, a renewed church, a, a vision for a re renewed community, you must be willing to engage in the task of rebuilding. There will be work to be done, and guess what? It's going to be hard work, and it's work that will demand much of you. 
If we desire as a congregation to experience renewal, and I believe we are doing that, we will have to bring our best efforts to the table. We'll be challenged to do more than we've done in the past and to do to do it with more forethought and with greater commitment than, and excellence than ever before. But this morning, I want to explore three components to the task of rebuilding and renewal. And the first one is this, determined decisiveness. Determined decisiveness. Now, Nehemiah was moved by compassion. Nehemiah was possessed of a vision, uh, but Nehemiah knew the right time to get started. And when that time ar arrived, he got started without delay. He didn't procrastinate. His journey to Jerusalem took four months. Then he took three days to rest and recover. However, right after that, he immediately begins to organize the work. Now, when we say organize, we think of 15 months of strategic planning, and, but Nehemiah, however, flows, he flows seamlessly into the work from vision to task, almost in one breath. And before you know it, it's on. Let's look at chapter two of Nehemiah, verses 17 and 18. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in? Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. You hear what Nehemiah is saying? He's saying, we're in trouble, but God has led me here to do this. So let's, let's go. Let's get started. And so they began. Have you ever noticed that the hardest part about it, most tasks is, is getting started? But here they go to it without delay. Notice the lack of deliberation, the fact that, that, that planning and method, methodology are inevitably a part of the work. Notice the action orientation. Let us start rebuilding. Let's get this thing started. Listen to what the people say. They say, let us start rebuilding. A number of translations translate verse 18 like this. Let us rise up and build. I like those words. So in verse 20, Nehemiah addresses his opposition, who we'll talk more about next week. And he says this, we, his servants, will start rebuilding. Who are God's servants? Let me give you a deep theological definition of that. Who are God's servants? <laughs> Those who serve. Pretty simple, huh? And as God's servants, Nehemiah and his contemporaries realized that they must serve, that God has brought them to this place and shown them what he has shown them because there is something to be done. Now, now thank God that Nehemiah didn't have a problem with procrastination. I mean, can you imagine? I, I kind of thought of it like this. He's, can you imagine Nehemiah saying something like this? All right, guys, I see what's up here. And I'm going to go back to Susa and let Artaxerxes know what's up. And I'm going to thank you for sending me, and I'm going to get some plans drawn up and raise some more cash and, and see what happens. I might be back somewhere down the road. No. <laughs> no procrastination. And procrastination is one of the scourges of contemporary life. And it's funny, isn't it, that I was talking with me and Brother Darren were talking about this. You know, they talk about our music and, and stuff. We were talking about the fact that when everything shut down and we found ourselves with much more time and there were we had a lot of us had a grand plan for what we were going to do, and we found ourselves lacking the motivation and putting off day to day to day what we could be doing, right? Uh, 
and by the way, I made a firm, I made a firm commitment in my life to deal with procrastination. I really did. It, it's just that I haven't gotten around to doing it yet. Uh, that's another story. But <laughs> procrastination, none here in Nehemiah. Now we criticize impulsive people, right? Be, we criticize them as being impulsive. And while impulsive people can be wasteful and they can start things without finishing them, without thinking about them, without forethought, there's something to be said about being appropriately impulsive. In other words, responding to the impulse of the Holy Spirit, responding to the impulse of the moment when there's something that needs to be done and it needs to be done now. There's something about being appropriately impulsive enough to get to it. In other words, when I feel the impulse of God's Spirit, when I'm giving, given a vision, when I see a need, I need to get moving. James 4.17 says this, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is a sin for them. Ephesians 5, 6, 15 and 16 from the NLT. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Do you think that there are some situations in these, and these are indeed evil days, aren't they? But do you think that there might be some opportunities that we might be able to, to discover where we can be proactive and where we can make a difference and make a change? And, and, and then take this a step further. Let me ask you, uh, this is totally a trick question. Do you work out? <laughs> Don't answer that. Philippians 2, 3, 12 and 13 says this, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out, not work for, but work out, your salvation with fear, fear and trembling, fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purposes. You see the two things there? To will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Renewal calls for determined and focused decisiveness that refuses to put off until tomorrow what should be started today. And often we complain that the conditions aren't right, that, that it's not God's, God's timing. And in reality, uh, often we're simply just not ready to do the work. Uh, we're, we're afraid of the commitment and sacrifice that are unavo unavoidable once we're all in. When you start, you're committed. We don't want to jump into the pool because we know that once we jump into the water, we're going to have to swim. We'd rather just sit on the sidelines sometimes and contemplate the task, plan the task, dream about the task as we try to find an easy way out of the inevitable labor that, that looms before us. Nehemiah and his crew just got going. I, I realize that during this season, we can't do everything, but I'm convinced that we can all do something. And maybe the first step to your renewal is to spend quality time with God, to listen for his voice, to, to attend to, to attend to Bible study and maybe attend Bible study and to take the reading of the Bible and the study of the Bible more seriously. Maybe during this season when you can't do everything, there, there's, I'm sure there's someone in your world, someone around you, someone that you know, someone that, that, with whom you're in contact uh, that, 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 that you can encourage with, with, with words of life or you can encourage by supporting them in prayer. We can't do everything, but we can do something determined decisiveness but then the next thing is this and that should be number two creative collaboration creative collaboration notice what nehemiah does here he assembles his 
dream team. He engages others to help him in the task. I was reading about the Great Wall of China. It's the largest wall ever built. Um, uh, we're looking into that. Uh, it's the largest wall that was ever built. It was a great, it was a great wall. It was a beautiful wall. Uh, largest wall ever built in the history of the world. I'm sorry, Donald. But it, it took 1,800 years to build it. Uh, they started in 220 BC and they got finished sometime during the Ming Dynasty in the 1600s. And, and when it was completed, it was 6,000 miles long. At one point, there were 800,000 people working on that wall day and night. And some people spent their entire lives working on that wall. But, but I want you to get something very important here about this wall, the, the Great Wall of China. Not only did the wall, the wall did something more than just simply keep the enemies of China out from attacking. But maybe for those people and that nation, for that culture during that time, this wall did something else. Just as important, the wall stood as a great symbol of what can be accomplished when people work together. And so in Nehemiah 2.17, Nehemiah rallies the people to his side. And in essence, he says something like this. He says, y'all see the trouble we're in. You see how the city lies and ruins you. Let's do something about it. Let us, all of us, rebuild the wall in, of Jerusalem so that we will no longer be in disgrace. Let's not be afraid because God's gracious hand is on me. So not only that, we have the full Full, king's full support. And he, he rallies the people with those words. And the people don't say, well, you know, Nehemiah, uh, we're going to pray about that. No, they say, yeah, we're with this. Let's begin this good work. Let's get started. Let's rise up and build. Let's rebuild the wall. And so in chapter three, the work begins. And Nehemiah has people from all walks of life pitching in. In verse two of chapter three, he gets the men of Jericho to help out. In verse 8, he gets the city goldsmith to leave his shop and come out and help with the repairs. And then later on, in the same verse, even one of the perfume makers got involved. I guess those brothers must have been working hard and smelling good. I guess if you work that hard, you need some nice cologne, you know, spray, 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 right? But not only that, in verse 12, we see that one guy even got his daughters to work on a section of the wall. And then in verse 22, even the priests are out there working on a section of the wall. No lazy preachers of Jerusalem out there. No, they get to work. And so what we have in Nehemiah chapter 3 is this beautiful picture of what can be accomplished when all the people of God come together. And you all know how that works because we've experienced that. We've done projects. We've done, we, we've, 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 we've embarked upon, upon labor where we all collaborated and worked together creatively, and we saw how beautiful it was. And the more people who were involved, the better it was. But that's what, for even our services in this time, to me, the more of you, the more voices we hear, the more beautiful and the more creative and the more, and the more edifying I think our services are. We've seen how that works. And so we see this beautiful picture of what can be accomplished when all the people of God come together. And maybe that will cast a vision for us as to what, Beautiful things can happen when, when we enlist others in our lives, when we, when, we, when we as families come together in unity, when we as communities come together in unity and we work, we collaborate, collaborate creatively. You may say, Charles, how does that apply to personal renewal in my life? And I'm fairly certain that there are others in your life, other brothers and sisters, other friends, maybe even family members, who God has placed around you to share with you in the task of renewal in your own life. 
As a matter of fact, right now, as I'm preaching this message, guess what? I'm working with you, coming up alongside you to collaborate and to hopefully be a catalyst for God's work of renewal in your life. You may have a prayer partner in your life who will join with you in the task of rebuilding. You may have an accountability partner in your life who will be part of that process. As a church, this is how we're to function. This is how the body of Christ is supposed to work. It's how family is supposed to work. And it's how life is supposed to work. Creative collaboration. And then again, this should be number three. You gotta reset those numbers when you copy those slides over. Infectious enthusiasm. Nehemiah reflects this positive attitude about the work that they're engaged in. He says in verse 18, and so we began this good work. The work of God is indeed a good thing, and we can and should be enthusiastic about it. We should bring our best attitude to the task at hand. Realize, do you see the glory of the task here? So they began this good work. This work is where the action is. This work is where the glory is. This is what life is all about. And so when we approach the task God has placed before us with enthusiasm, we positively infect others around us. And right now, infection is not a, 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 a term we like to, to, to think of because there's a lot of infection going around. But this is one way where we can positively infect others around us. Enthusiasm is contagious. Uh, any of you know me, and most many of you do, most of you do. You know me, if you know me well, you know I love enthusiasm, I love energy. Because I, I believe God deserves that from us. And I think we owe it to each other. I really, I was, I, I'm not very patient with apathy. I'm kind of like David in the Psalms. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And it's not because I'm just like a churchy guy or very religious, but it's because I've come to realize, because I love God and I've come to realize the value of enthusiasm. And I realize that the work of God is a good work. And, and I do a number of things in life, but the one thing that is the highest priority in, in my life is the work of God in around and through my life and through others around me. Look at chapter four, verse six. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height where the people worked, see these words, with what? All their heart. Nehemiah's contagious passion and enthusiasm is spread among the people who joined with him in the task of rebuilding. And they've gotten to this, the point they've gotten to because their hearts are in it. They work with all their heart. And watch this. Notice it didn't just say that they worked their fingers to the bone or they worked with all their might and muscle or they worked till they dropped. Nehemiah gives this qualitative description of the work. They worked with all their heart. As we approach the work of rebuilding, whether it's the broken places in our lives, our communities, or our church. Remember this, attitude is everything. Chuck Swindoll once wrote this. He said, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It is more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than the failures, than successes, than what other people think or say or do. It is more important, important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, a home. 
The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change our past, he writes. He says, we cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play, is play on the one string we have, and that is our attitude. I am convinced that 10%, that life is 10% of what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And so it is with us. We are in charge of our attitudes. In another place, Swindoll wrote this. He said, when my attitudes are right, there is no barrier too high, no valley too deep, no dream too extreme, no challenge too great for me. And so as Nehemiah is confronted with criticism and opposition, it's his attitude that undergirds his commitment. In 6.3, he says, I am carrying on a great project and I cannot go down. I can't stop. I can't be sidetracked. I'm doing something. I, I'm doing a good work. I'm doing a great project. He has a positive attitude about what he's, what he's doing. And listen, the, the work of building God's kingdom, of, of rebuilding the broken places in our lives, of facilitating and effecting renewal in the church, in our lives, in the lives of others around us, this is a great project of good work. So let me conclude this morning. Listen, my friends, the work of building God's kingdom, of rebuilding the pro broken places in our lives, of facilitating and effecting renewal in the church, in our lives, and in the lives of others around us, this is a great project. This is a good work, right? I challenge you to become fully engaged in the great project that God has for your life. When we realize that God's work is a good work, we'll find the strength to remain committed to keep plugging away, even when others would try to bring us down to their level of criticism and pettiness. And so there you have it. In order to engage the process of renewal and restoration, we need determined decisiveness, creative collaboration, and infectious enthusiasm.